I've really been a consultant my entire career in some way, shape, or form. And I actually did some consultancy as I'm also working with, you know, these corporations. So once again, it was 10 years, nine years of preparation into getting to the point where now I've worked for this large firm. I've worked for McKinsey, which is probably one of the most recognized consultant firms in the world, even though at the time they really were not known for their IT consultant, but even that is changing. Welcome to Elevate Your Career, the podcast dedicated to empowering individuals from all walks of life as they navigate the ever-changing landscape of their chosen fields. In this show, we'll be bringing on a diverse range of professionals from various career stages to uncover the secrets behind achieving success in any industry. We'll explore how they achieve their career goals and the paths they took to get there. Your host is none other than Nicole McMacken. CEO of the Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, an award-winning information technology solutions and staffing provider. Now let's get to the show. On today's podcast, we'll be speaking with Jonathan Keith, pro athlete turned high tech, turned entrepreneur. Jonathan is the poster board for the old saying, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. On today's podcast, learn how Jonathan worked under the Obama administration, hired by the CDC to develop a first responders portal to expedite medical treatment. As well, learn Jonathan's take on artificial intelligence. Really interesting, and I think you'll find it quite different. But most importantly, Jonathan's going to speak with us today about how you land your first job with ease, change careers, and what it means to be a successful entrepreneur. Jonathan is CEO and CTO of JDR Security Solutions. They focus on cloud modernization, transformation, and the overall cloud journey. Today's podcast will be one you don't want to miss. Jonathan, it's so great to have you on the program. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Oh, and I know you're away and doing this from from the middle of is it Florida? Where are you I'm at in right Tampa, now? Yeah, so I'm in oh, Tampa. Oh, that's right. That's I'm right. On a business trip, but hey, I made the sacrifice to to be on this podcast with you. Ah, uh, oh, grateful, grateful. I wanted to provide the listeners an opportunity to hear your career journey and how you made an important career change, and then another important career change, and became an entrepreneur. Uh, I feel as though many people will be able to learn lessons from your career journey and leave with some tangible takeaways. So super excited about our conversation. And again, thank you for making time for us. Okay, absolutely. Where do you want me to begin? Oh, okay. So we always start with a fun fact that not many people would know about you. So don't mean to, you know, put you on the spot, but I'm going to put you on the spot. So what would be a fun fact? So most people don't realize that I have Native American heritage. Um, so um, on my maternal mother's side, my great-grandfather was Native American. So he was from Lumberton, North Carolina. Um, he was a part of what is called still today the Lumbee tribe. Um, so it's a heritage that, albeit you know physically it doesn't show, I've been able to embrace it because I know it is a part of my background. And I think it also has a lot to do with my overall personality and just how I've really drive towards 
being multicultural and being accepting of others because I understand that multicultural really is what drives this this great nation that we live in. Oh, that's fantastic. It's really, really cool. So is this something that you celebrate or, you know, how do you get involved or, I mean, you recognize your heritage? I know there's so many people that, that I've known that are um, very, have slight traces of Native American, right, within their being. And so, you know, how does that affect you? I probably should celebrate it more, but I definitely embrace it. You know, one of the things that I've done recently in my, you know, in my time in corporate America, I noticed that in technology, there were not a whole lot of indigenous Native American people. So once I stepped into roles of leadership, I made it a point as a part of our recruiting and talent acquisition efforts to go out and look for Native American and indigenous people in technology. And if they lack certain skill sets, we provided them the proper training. So I felt like that's sort of my way of giving back to the heritage because I haven't really celebrated it openly probably as much as I should have. Got it. Got it. That is fantastic, Jonathan. Really, really cool to hear. And what a great fun fact. Super interesting. Um, So tell me a little bit um, about you growing up where, you know, where you've, where you're from, how you were raised. And then let's just kind of take that path of, you know, what, where you went in your career and, and how did growing up affect what you did or what you didn't do? I think it's, mm-hmm. it's usually, you know, really interesting to, to backtrack and look at people's family life and where they grew up and you can kind of, you know, figure out, okay, they went against this or they went towards this. So would love to love to get to know you. Yeah. And my upbringing is very influential in my, you know, in who I am and and what I've been in adulthood. So I grew up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Um, So I grew up with my parents, my mother, my father, and also my three siblings. So I have three sisters. Um, So I'm the middle of of the family. Um, And growing up, I was very focused on athletics and academics. Um, so my parents really drive home education, like education was, is, was extremely important to them, primarily because, you know, my parents grew up in the South and they grew up during a time period where education wasn't really offered a lot to people of color and people of color really had to drive to be successful because they didn't always have the extended education or degrees beyond, you know, traditional high school so they drove that home to us. But then also that helped me also develop that entrepreneurial spirit because because my parents always didn't have opportunities, they really drove to make things happen. I mean, my father was a police officer, but he also ran his own business. He had his own construction company for almost 25 years while also being a police officer, primarily because he had to do that you know, to take care of my siblings and I because we ate a lot. We were greedy, but he had to take <laughs> care of the family. But also it was a way for him to show us that you can do it, right? You can make it, like you can be your own boss, you can be successful. So with me, I focused a lot on athletics and education. I went on throughout high school and went to college and played collegiate football at the University of South Carolina. Um, nice, I nice. got a chance to play professionally for a couple of years, but I also knew that that was only for a limited time period, right? I knew after I hit 24, 25 years old, I was going to have to figure out what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And that's when I really began to look at the entrepreneurial side of it, albeit I tested the waters with corporate America, started off in marketing, 
in advertising because I had a background in business and business administration and really focused on the financial side of marketing and advertisement. But that was just naturally me transitioning into sort of like what I saw growing up as a child. And then eventually that led to me moving into technology because I saw in the mid 2000s that technology was really driving business development. So if you really remember prior to the 2008 real estate crash, technology was beginning to make these transitions into what we see today, you know, using the buzzwords like cyber and cybersecurity and IT and information security. A lot of those words and those domains started around that time period. So I really sort of had the forevision to get in very early. And that's when I made the transition from just being in traditional business to moving into technology and now using what I learned in business to really drive my career to technology to where I am today, running my own organization, you know, being a CEO and a CTO of a IT consultant firm that really focuses a lot on cloud migrations and cloud modernizations. And that is the that is today and that is the future of where we see technology going. So, but you also got to have that business savviness as well. So a lot to unpack here, right? You said a lot of a lot in a short period of time. So let's let's dig a little deeper. Okay. So you graduated from the University of Southern Cal uh, Southern California. We're all USC out the here, other, but yeah, another USC, South Carolina. And yeah. so you graduated, and then you said you played. It sounded like professional ball. Mm-hmm. I did for a couple okay. years. For a couple years, mm-hmm. and. Then talk to us a little bit because there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast that are trying to get their foot in the door and for their first job. How mm-hmm. difficult was that for you, right? You have your degree, you've been playing ball, you come out, and now what? How did you get that first that first break? Because sometimes that's the hardest. And then I want to understand how you went from there so easily and then decided to transition into a completely different career. I mean, that's yeah. th- that's something in itself too. So two major things there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it looks easy on the surface, but it, it was not. Um, I think, you know, going back to your first question about my first opportunity, I think it was just my sheer just effort, me promoting myself. Like I remember I started working for a bank. And it used to be SunTrust Bank. Now it's called Truist because they merged with BB&T and changed the name to Truist. And I remember going into that first interview and having zero experience um, and just walking in and meeting with the hiring manager and just having a general conversation like you and I are having now and really talking a lot about, at that point, I really had no work experience outside of athletics, but just talking about the sheer foundation that I had being an athlete and how it drives me and how it motivates me And it really brings me to whatever opportunity is presented to myself to take advantage of it. And just having that high level of energy, I think, impressed the hiring manager. And how old were you? How old were you at that point? I was 25. Okay. And you you just walked in the bank. Did you have an appointment or you just said, hey. No, it was a, a, I applied for the job. It was an opening. um, And it was an opening for, I think it was a marketing specialist at the time and they were doing some mobile ad campaigns because they were just starting sort of the mobile ad for banking and things of that nature. And I just applied for it. So not really knowing if I was going to get it or not. Wow. Okay. And he or she give it to you on the spot or 
We went through the process. I think there were a few other candidates. Actually, there were several other candidates. And I think there were probably maybe five finalists. And of the five finalists, two were hired. And I was one of the two that was actually hired. And the hiring manager admitted that one of the primary reasons why they hired me was primarily because of my energy. Interesting. Interesting. I find that, as you know, I own a um, recruitment company. And so Mm -hmm. on interviews, right? Sometimes people feel like, hey, I'm not going to apply for that position because I don't have everything dialed in. I, you know, I'm missing 5% and I Mm -hmm. need to do this or get this experience or et cetera. But it really is when you're meeting with that hiring manager, it's to your point and you learned it at a really young age, right? Having the energy. And I think it helps, right? It helps that if you've played sports before, or you've been on speech and debate teams, or you've been in clubs and you can say, Hey, I work really well in groups. I'm a team player. I'm a quick learner and I'm going to work my heart out for you. And who would turn that away? Right. Who would turn that away? So kudos to you. That's fabulous. So you find yourself there, your first job, right? And, Mm -hmm. and then what happens? You you love it. You don't love it. It sounds like you kind of always knew you wanted to do something different. Actually, I loved it. And it actually gave me my first exposure to eventually getting into technology, but also getting into cybersecurity and cloud security. So probably a year into the role, we begin to launch a couple of new mobile app features for the customers. And we were going through sort of a release test for one of the products. And we begin to have some outages and some issues. And the security department assume that it was some sort of potential security incident, right? They thought it was maybe a potential compromise or a breach, but they knew nothing about the application. They knew nothing about the mobile app. So my manager asked me to collaborate and work with the security team to really explain to them the architecture of the application, the business purpose of the application, and really understand the nuances so they can do their forensics and their investigation. Long story short, it wasn't a security issue. It was more of a load balancing issue. We got more hits from customers than we were ready to manage and handle. So we had to be able to just basically increase the bandwidth to manage the load balancing. But the security manager was so impressed with working with me and my knowledge of the technology and the application and even my knowledge of security at that time, which was, was baseline, right? It was basic novice. He asked me to come work for his department. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he offered me a position to come in at the time, what was considered to be a information security specialist or information security officer, because I understood not only the architecture, but the way the data was managed and processed. And I actually, within about maybe 45 days of that incident, I transferred over to his department and began to work in information security. And that led me to cyber. That's really cool. You know, I was, uh, I lead, I think you know this, Jonathan, I lead a women in leadership class uh, for, you know, kind of senior executives. And we had our uh, course just last night and we were talking about one of the questions was, what do you do when you are in a job and you're not loving it or you're bored? And we had a CIO speaker and she was saying, listen, you know, what you need to do is look at that company, if it's a good company, and start getting involved in other areas of the business. So really, to your point that you're talking about right now, right, having other interests, right, 
So maybe you went in in the marketing side, advertisement side, and and you really gravitated towards the technology side, but giving getting opportunities to poke your nose in and say, hey, you know, I'm interested in this or or say you're, you know, in accounting and finance and just exploring different parts of the business by asking, you know, different people, hey, would you mind if I, you know, I explored and spoke with you about, you know, what you're doing over here and this side, I'm really interested in this. And that could be technology, it could be marketing, it could be someone from accounting going into marketing, right? Or creative design and, and getting that opportunity. It sounds like, you know, that's the best opportunity that I see is when people are in existing companies and start branching out and kind of testing the waters. And it's more of a safe way to do it versus, okay, heck, I'm just going to leave all together. I'm in marketing and hey, I want to go out now and be in IT. And you don't really have, have the, experience. In the knowledge, experience. And so I think that's a really important point that you are making and and that you did um, in your career for a really seamless shift. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the key word that you said is opportunity and be prepared for it because my manager at the time could have selected anyone to work with the security team. And we had at that time probably 15 other specialists or, you know, analysts in our department that were, you know, marketing specialists. But for whatever reason, he selected me because he felt comfortable, I guess, with one, my work, work ethic. But two, also knowing that I would be able to articulate what the security team was asking for, what they were looking for. And I felt comfortable that I'd be able to do it, too. So when the opportunity presented itself, it was real easy for me to take advantage of. And it wasn't like I walked in, you know, pretending like I knew everything because I did. You know, I was moving into a new realm. At that point, I had minimal exposure to IT security. But, you know, I, I, I shared the knowledge that I had from my aspect of it. I did understand basic architecture, and it was enough for, you know, the collaboration to go smoothly. Are you ready to break barriers and become the next CIO in the tech world? Here's the exciting news. We've custom designed a groundbreaking course specifically for female executives interested in becoming CIOs. And the best part, it's absolutely free. This women's leadership course is the first of its kind to support female leaders in technology. The program delves into real-life scenarios that CIOs face daily. Whether they're leading small enterprises or vast Fortune 500 companies. So if you're a manager, director, or VP of technology, this course is a perfect fit for you. Current CIOs and technology leaders will take you on a 15-week journey, guiding you through a 360-degree view of what it takes to be a CIO. The pragmatics of implementing IT governance, the foundations of C-suite level project management and portfolios, and so much more. Ready to take a leap of faith in your career? Go to www.irvinetechcorp.com forward slash program and the link is in the description box. If you want to contribute to a more inclusive and equitable tech world for women, you can start at www.irvinetechcorp.com forward slash program. Join us in our next course for the Women in Leadership program and be part of this exciting journey. Now back to the show. You're there. You're in IT. You're in security. You're working. Now, for our listeners, how how did you make that leap, right? I'm sure there was a lot of steps in between. You probably didn't stay there. You went to just a few other companies. Talk to us about how you emerged and really found yourself and took that leap, right? And for for people who are listening that could be on the same trajectory. 
So I knew within three months of moving into that new role, that was my career path. I knew it. Like I locked in because it was so many different domains, so many different areas in three months that I was exposed to in just the information security department. I knew I would never have a dull moment. Um, so what I did was I just began to train up. You know, so at that point, I, you know, I had education, I had my undergrad, I had my master's, you know, I had those degrees, but I began to hone in on specifically technological certs, um, looking at certain certifications, doing certain trainings in those areas. And what was really important to me at that time, and it was a fairly new phrase, once again, we're talking 2011 to 2012-ish, software engineering, right? So before when you really look at code, you just thought about developers. And I really didn't see myself as a traditional developer because I understood so many different aspects. But the engineering side of it, very attractive to me. Um, so looking at how you take code and you engineer it and you build applications and you build infrastructure and all that was important. So I began to train. So that led me to getting an opportunity at the CDC. Um, so I went to work for the CDC for a couple of years as a cybersecurity specialist on the software engineering side of the house because we were building out, they were building out sort of a new security program, really looking at, at the time, President Obama had passed a directive to start a program called the World Trade Center. And that program was designed to build out healthcare programs for individuals who were either victims of 9-11 or survivors or first responders. And what we had to do was we had to create this healthcare portal to allow doctors and specialists and individuals to communicate along their medical records and be able to share protected health information. Whereas before, all that stuff was analog. They had the fax reports. They had to call doctors. If a doctor wanted to refer a patient to a specialist, they had to get on the phone. Well, that portal allowed everything to now become automated. And what you have to do is you had to make sure that the data that goes into that portal is secure. So in order to do that, you really had to understand the software engineering aspect of it. So I actually got assigned to that project. And that project was an absolute game changer. Um, not only was it meaningful, because we were literally building a portal that was providing healthcare benefits to first responders who had developed cancer or other types of diseases, and they had to get treatment, and the federal government was fully funding it, but you had to go through the process to do so. So it was meaningful, but it was cutting age with the technology. There were not many other government agencies that were providing that kind of portal, that kind of service. And it just really put me on a trajectory that just took off. I worked on that project for two years, two and a half years, and I never looked back. Like, I've never had to go look for a job. I've never had to go look for another opportunity. Once I put that on my resume or my CV, it was it. Like it just pretty much just stood out. And whenever I was able to tell that story to whoever, like not only was it touching, but it also showed people that if you're passionate about what you're doing, the sky is not the limit. Right. You can go as far, you, you can go as far as you want to go. Right. I agree. I agree. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's really touching, even for me, just listening to this, right? Because I remember those times, right? And the EMR records and everything kind of going through and and the first responders and trying to get them 
healthcare and treatment in, you know, a, a more responsible way, right? And in yep. a, a faster way as well. So, um, and I, I think there's something to that, right? Once you work for, um, well, obviously the CDC, everyone knows who that is, but on really high profile uh, projects, I think you write your own ticket to a certain yeah. extent, right? And it's, mm-hmm. and, you know, I always, it's interesting, you you know, there's these big consulting firms out there, um, you know, McKinsey uh, mm-hmm. is one of them and uh, Deloitte and, and it, it, you know, it, and you, you know them and, and I always look at people that come out because they tra- traditionally don't come up, go through their very young, you know, right after college. And it's it's hard and it's a lot of work and they're flying you everywhere. But the training that they give you and the interactions with not only the people inside those organizations, but their external customers, right? Their external customers are, are traditionally pretty large, you know, Fortune 100 organization, Fortune 500 even. And when they come out and they have that on their CV, their resume, you know, right? And if they've been there for more than a few years, you're looking at a great quality individual that has like, to your point, right? You were there a couple years, you know what you're doing. You are on a high profile project with a high profile organization, you know, working on the government, you know, high tech. I mean, that's, that's everything, right? And so it's not surprising. And so when you, our listeners, when you get in with, with some of these, uh, you know, really um, high-profile organizations, and man, do you pay, do you pay the price, right? I mean, you're working a million hours, you're traveling all over, and Jonathan, I'm sure you were make, working a million hours too. Yeah, I mean, and, but you're right though. So you know, you look at the last four organizations that I worked for, starting with the CDC, and then I left the CDC and I went to Viacom CBS, which is now Paramount Global, where I eventually became the CISO over the digital platform streaming services. And then from there, I went to McKinsey, right? So those are the type of organizations that I've had a chance to work for. But not only was it, you know, those organizations recruiting recruiting me, I was also recruiting them as well too. Because like you said, like you really want to be able to put that on your resume and be able to put that as sort of a stamp of approval that you validated yourself in your career, but you've also brought something to the table for that organization. And I always feel like when I left those companies, I left something behind, right? I made those organizations, at least the the portion that I worked for, the division, I made it better than it was before I got there. That was always my goal. And tell, you know, really quickly, you said the word CISO, right? So Chief Information Security Officer, right? And that's a top role, in an organization. It's it's so you have your chief information officer. It's part of the C suite. So mm-hmm. can you talk about just a couple minutes? How how did you land that role? I mean, wow, that's that's super impressive, right? And I know obviously you're at the CDC, you're working on this hot stuff, and then you're you're moving, right? And you're I'm sure you worked with Abe Wong, right? Over I probably at Paramount and Viacom, yep. but um, you know, how how did you make that transition? That's a huge leap, Jonathan. Well, at that point, so at the CDC, I had technologically really advanced. And one of the advancements I made was the concept of the cloud. So now we're 2014, 2015, and the cloud is still a buzzword for a lot of people, right? But the main difference is that you went from you know deploying your applications on hardware to software, which is exactly what we were doing at the CDC. So we designed our own private cloud. So that's what got me in the door. 
at what was CBS Interactive, which was a subsidiary of CBS and then Viacom and CBS merged together, I got hired as the chief cloud security architect, meaning I was overseeing all of the cloud security architecture services, and we were going through a complete migration. So we literally, within 18 months, moved about 80 to 85% of all our workloads and applications from on-prem into the cloud, and it was a multi-cloud strategy. Um, so we moved partly in AWS, partly in GCP, and partly in Azure. So by the time we completed that project, it was roughly maybe 2017, 2018-ish. There had not been many other organizations that had completed that. There was probably, and you talk about from an enterprise standpoint of view, I knew of only two or three other organizations that had completed that type of migration. Once again, me being the part of the team that spearheaded that, it was yet another win on my resume, another win, which led me into now once we moved to the streaming side of the house, because that was the purpose of the migration to start running the streaming platforms a lot quicker and to be able to get streaming services more globally because our customers were now global. Uh, we had just signed a deal with UEFA, so we were basically streaming live the UEFA tournaments. We'd had a new deal with CBS Sports uh, and the NFL package. So we were now streaming NFL games during the Super Bowl. And being a person who was a leader of that, when the two organizations merged and we had that streaming division, I was the ideal candidate to step in the role. Nice. And I, my manager at the time, who was going to become the CTO, but eventually he left and went to another company. Um, he made the recommendation for me to step in and replace him as the CISO, the chief nice. information officer, and it happened. Nice. Congratulations. What an amazing career you've had. I mean, really. And it's so opportunistic, right? I mean, it just, it is. I mean. Uh, it is. It's being at the right place at the right time and being prepared for it. Yes. Yes. What is that saying? It's um, pre when preparation, uh, what is it? Preparation meets, um, it's not luck. It's an automatic win or something that's that sort. I'm, yeah. I'm completely butchering it. <laughs> but um, I basically the the thing is you better be lucky and good, right? And I think yeah, you're both. Yeah. So but then, when you think about it, with my foundation being athletic and playing in sports, that's what sports is. Sports is about reaction, being prepared for the opportunity. You practice a hundred hours a week. You play one game a week. That game only lasts four hours. So you put a hundred hours in just to perform for the four hours. Right. That means you have to be prepared for it. Right. And I, and I think for all of our listeners, right, that's, that's the key is in hunting for a job or when you're in your current, you know, your current role is being prepared, putting the extra time, putting the extra uh, hours in, right. To, to really become, make yourself distinct, right. That, that you're, you're someone that stands out and it, it's, it's what's happened to you and why you've been so successful in your career. Now, after I know you were at McKinsey and you you finally I think said heck I'm going to I'm going to do this right I I I'm going to take that leap I'm going to become an entrepreneur how 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 did that happen and was that scary were you fearful of that No I wasn't fearful and it really wasn't as subtle as it looked so I've I've really been a consultant my entire career in some way shape or form and I actually did some consultancy as I'm also working with you know, these, these, these corporations. So once again, it was 10 years, nine years of preparation 
into getting to the point where now I've worked for this large firm. I've worked for McKinsey, which is probably one of the most recognized consultant firms in the world, even though at the time they really were not known for their IT consultant, but even that is changing. Um, and it's like, I think I've already checked a lot of boxes. The one box I had left to check was now I want to go back to my roots and that's entrepreneurship because that's who I am at the core, right? The core is I am about building up something from a foundation from the start and watching it grow. And not only just the organization itself, but the people who are part of it. You know, I love to bring people in and mentor people. I love to see people that I've hired at some point in time and they've gone on to become leaders themselves in some way, shape or form or or even become an actual leader in another organization. By being an entrepreneur, I can do that on a daily basis because that's really what it is. Right. And, you know, you know, you you run your own business and, you know, it's all about you can know everything about technology. You can know everything about business. You can know everything about processes and procedures. But the one point you part you can forget are the people. You've got to really understand how to manage people, how to influence people, and really how to be a leader by example. And as an entrepreneur, I can do things in those directions that I couldn't do in corporate America. Corporate America will limit you. It will restrict you on how well you can manage people and how you actually manage people. And that was something that I just could never get over. Yeah. You know, I was able to kind of conceal it for a while and kind of just go through the motions because, you know, there was a there was a prize at the end of the at the end of the finish line. But I realized that I'm about helping people. I'm about building people up. And if I build people up, I'm also building myself up. Yeah, By I agree. You can do that on a daily basis. I agree. And in your trajectory, right, with all of these amazing things that that have transpired, was there any you know, turning points for you or, or any moments that gave you pause and, you know, really were impactful for you that you would want our listeners to know? Yeah, I think the thing that really impacted me the most was probably about maybe 10 to 12 years ago, roughly 2011, 12. Um, I actually co-founded a small IT firm with a business partner of mine, and he had less technology experience than I did, but he had drive, which was something that I could absolutely relate to. So we came together, we were building this business out. You know, he had a lot of stuff going on also in his personal life and it really became stressful. And, you know, he suddenly died all of a sudden just from just doing a whole lot, right? He was only 40 years old at the time and had a heart attack and passed away. And, you know, I was really looking at that and I was like, oh my God, like it was just, out of the blue. And I really realized one or two things could happen, right? That could have either been a setback for me and really could have put me in an opposite trajectory, or it could be a motivational factor, like a couple of things I can do, right? I can continue to live on this dream that him and I had. Um, I can also realize that life is short. You know, you never know what event is going to come your way. You're here today, gone tomorrow. And I decided to take the positive route. You know, I decided to take the the ladder, like, let's move forward on this. You know, let's make sure that everything that I do, I try to make sure I do in memory of what him and I were trying to build and develop, you know, 10, 11 years ago, and really making sure that we're having a positive impact on not only our lives, but people who are associated with us. And that, that was another aspect of my personal life 
that also built my professional life and really took things in a different direction. And it really taught me that have that passion, but don't be too serious, right? Have that passion, enjoy it. Don't overexert yourself. Don't stress yourself out. Tomorrow's another day. There will be another opportunity. Just be prepared for it. Because like I said, it just really changed me to see someone so young that has so much potential lose their life for just stress. Yeah. That's all it was. Distress. Yeah. I'm I'm so sorry to hear about that. And and that had to be a huge impact for you and, and your family and in his family. And I'm I'm really sorry. And it's such a young age, right? 40 years old. Yeah. And um I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, we could be and it life's too short. Be excited. And and to your point, right? Take those risks and you know calculated risk right not where you know where what you really did right you you were opportunistic and saw certain things and had it sounds like an incredible work ethic where people were just tapping you hey come over yes. here hey come over here and um so what you know we have some listeners here that would be um really interested in hearing a little bit about what you would suggest for you know, people that that want to follow in your footsteps, right? Whether it be switching careers, or whether it be, hey, I want to be a CISO one day, or I I want to be head of marketing one day, or I want to be a CFO. What advice would you give individuals who are sitting in your your position, right, or started it at, at your level, right? Maybe in their twenties, or maybe maybe right now in their thirties, forties, even. What what would be some some suggestions? And it's never too late to start, right? I don't I don't think you can really tie an age to it. You know, if, if you wake up one day and you have an epiphany, take advantage of it. But also be prepared. It goes back to preparation, right? Look at an area, look at you know what I call a domain or an industry and do some preliminary research. You know, look at what drives that industry, right? Look at the financial market around it, look at the companies in that industry that are the top five companies and figure out how did they become the top five? How did they get in that position? And then figure out sort of like, where do you see that industry four or five years from now? Kind of sort of have that for vision and make sure that it's something that you will enjoy, even if it was like a hobby, because you and I both know there's a lot of Fortune 500 companies out there that started in someone's garage as a hobby. That's so right. you got Microsoft, that. right? Exactly. <laughs> Apple, right? right? Exactly. But there were a group of people who were passionate, but what they did, they understood the industry or the surrounding effects of that industry. Understanding what the financial aspect is, how are you going to finance and support this business, or how are you going to make that transition and network with the right people? Networking is very important and having, you know, associates in that field, in that industry. And you really got to start doing that early research and then just start introducing yourself. You know, if that means going to a conference, great, go to a conference. If that means reaching out to folks on LinkedIn, great, reach out on LinkedIn. But you also want to make sure that you're building that network and showing people your interest in what it is that you're trying to transition to. If you're going from market marketing to technology or technology to marketing, you don't always have to have that experience. You just got to have that drive and that energy and then network with the right people who are willing to help you get to that next level. Yeah, 
I agree 100%. It was interesting on our, our class last evening, we had two CIOs presenting and both said that the reason they are where they are now is a couple of things. One was the energy, the drive they put towards the position. And secondly, they wouldn't be where they are without creating a network. And oftentimes, we don't see that and don't prioritize that. And especially for women, I could speak for myself, right? You know, we, you know, we don't think it's important, but it's everything. If you look at the C-suite, most often they're not getting to where they are through executive recruiters or recruiters like my company. They're getting there by, like you did, word of mouth, right? Hey, we've worked with Jonathan before. He's fantastic. We recommend him. And, and those deals are made and done before recruitment firms even see them. And it's it's based on your network at that level. And so the earlier you can do that and strive to make solid networks, right? Where yep. you're giving sometimes more than you're receiving, right? But, you know, it's important. And so I'm so glad to hear hear you say that because I think that's that's true pearls within the conversation. I wanted to work, we've got to wind down because we're running out of time, but you know, I did want to ask you one question. So with the onset of AI artificial intelligence, are you concerned as you're as people are looking at, hey, what industry should I go into? Are you concerned at all that from the technological standpoint, a lot of jobs are going to be wiped out? I'm not as concerned as some people have stated out in the market publicly. Um, as you and I both know, AI is not new. You know, machine learning and artificial intelligence and, and the deep learning has been around for the better of a decade. Um, and we've actually seen an influx in jobs in technology since, you know, machine learning. What we're going to see, though, is we should see AI make jobs more efficient. We should see AI take away some of the manual processes in technology, you know, for like say a developer or a software engineer or even just general consumers. A lot of the tasks that people have to do manually on a daily basis should be removed from being manual to being automated. And now that individual who's leveraging AI or machine learning should now be more efficient in their job, in their daily task, in their daily routine. And I think for me, that's the positive spin on it, the positive way to look at it. Will it cause some people maybe to be transitioned into other roles and other positions? Possibly. Will it cause individuals to probably have to train up and learn more about algorithms and things of that nature? Possibly. But that doesn't mean it's actually going to replace the individual because you still got to have the human touch, right? There still has to be some human nature there to put within the machine learning and the deep learning for it ultimately to be effective. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. You always hear these these horror stories, right? That uh, oh gosh, we're going to be taken over by AI and by they're bots. building robots and and all this stuff. So it's hard to it's hard to fathom. But you never you know you never know. It's the stuff they yeah. they yeah. they you know they they make movies on. But speaking of movies, um, I love to end our podcast with just some five rapid fire fun facts about you. Um, so if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to throw them out. And the first thing that comes to your mind, you know, just spit it out. What is your favorite professional book? So my favorite professional book is the autobiography of Sam Walton made in America. Love it. Got to nice. read it. Nice. Okay. Listeners. Did you hear that? We got to pick that up. Uh, your favorite food, uh, turkey burgers. Ooh. Uh, how do you recharge after a long day? 
I go out and play nine holes of golf. There's nothing better than being out in nature playing golf. As a golfer, maybe not a, as a good one, as good as you are, but I agree with that. I agree. The solitude and just being out in nature is fantastic. Uh, your favorite type of music? Uh, it's a close tie between hip hop and reggae. Nice. And your favorite movie? My favorite movie is Cool Hand Luke. It's a Paul Newman classic from the 60s. Okay. I have to say my husband has probably watched that movie a hundred times. He <laughs> loves that movie. So we got to get you two together for, a, <laughs> you know, he knows all the movie lines. So exactly. we, we, we can call the scenes out before it happens. Exactly. Exactly. Jonathan, it was such a pleasure having you on today and learned so Thank much you about your life. And I think, you know, we walked away here learning, learning, having a lot of takeaways. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I would agree. So thank you for having me. Hopefully this can reach out and help someone. And like I said, I'm always available to be there for people who are interested in getting into this, this field. And Jonathan, how can people get a hold of you? Should they get a hold of you and look for you, Jonathan Keith on LinkedIn? Is that the best way? Uh, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn or um, I'm actually available also via email. Uh, so my email is jonathan.keith at uh, jdrcloudsec.com. So I'm very responsive. Like once again, like when it comes to technology, I'm always driven to be able to help others. Mm, Thank you. Thank you so much. Enjoyed having you on today's show. Enjoyed being here. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Elevate Your Career podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mention links in the description of this episode. Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, excels at finding top-tier tech professionals and matching them with businesses. Whether you're an employer with tech opportunities or a tech professional searching for the perfect role, ITC is your go-to solution. Visit www.irvinetechcorp.com for more information. Once again, it's www.irvinetechcorp.com. We'll see you on the next episode.